Radio Network at ParanormalKing.com. And you can find live links at ParanormalKing.com. Listen live and join the chat room. You can also check out ParanewsInsider.com, the home of the Paranormal News Insider, and also find live listen links as well as the chat room. And I really, really urge you to join the chat room tonight. We've got some pictures to share. Uh, does help in the explanation of some of these stories. So it's uh, picture night tonight on the show. Got a handful, not a whole bunch, uh, but enough that uh, kind of explains some of these stories in an extra dimension. So today is May 4th. Yes, it's Star Wars Day officially. So if you've not heard it, you've probably seen it on social media. May the 4th be with you officially. Star Wars Day. I look forward to that all year long. Kind of forgot about it on social media, but uh, talking about it all week with people uh, in, at work and various places. But uh, also yesterday, I always forget about this. I, I don't. Is this really a big deal? I don't really think it is. I've never celebrated this, but uh, apparently yesterday was National Paranormal Day. Uh, I didn't uh, celebrate it. Didn't uh, get a cake, or I, I didn't do anything. Right? What are you? I'm not sure what you're supposed to do. Uh, with that, but uh, yeah, happy uh, day after National Paranormal Day. Is everyone hung over from that? I, I don't know what you, what do you do for National Paranormal Day? Throw down five thousand dollars to go investigate somewhere for four hours? Okay, I don't know. Uh, tonight on the show, we've got uh, we got some big cat news in the United Kingdom. They're going. Big cat crazy over there right now, uh, especially big black cat crazy in the United Kingdom. There are stories just filing out of their left and right. We'll try to sort some stuff out over there. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Lockheed Martin supposedly hiding some UFO uh, debris. We also got a late-breaking UFO story just broke about an hour ago. So we'll get into that, and that could lead toward... The big D word, disclosure. And that's all I can say on that right now because I got a, you know, it's a teaser. It's what we call in the radio business. Uh, they use that in TV's uh, business as well. Teasers to keep people listening. And uh, we're also going to talk about a, um, a celebrity in the ghost field. Uh, you're going to learn a lot about this person. It's a really interesting uh, expose. We'll talk about him here in a second. Uh, but first, some anomalous notes. Uh, something special has been brewed up. I, I saw this uh, a little while ago. I don't know if it was a couple of weeks ago, but during the week I saw this, and I kind of ignored it. I thought it was something silly. Uh, but uh, this is exciting news. Something uh, special has been brewed up for this year's Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Festival. That takes place on Saturday, May 22nd. Uh, yeah, you, you are invited for a special wedding event. Uh, none other, and I wasn't sure who they were talking about. 
Uh, there was going to be a, a special wedding there. I didn't know if there was like maybe some Bigfoot hunters were getting married there or something. You know, somebody uh, maybe in the community, maybe some uh, movie star or somebody uh, was coming into town and uh, decided to uh, make the Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Festival uh, their venue to get married or maybe just some random couple. I, I wasn't sure, but now I got the scoop. And apparently none other than Mr. and Mrs. Bigfoot themselves sure, are now- finally getting married. And they are the last event of the night just before close at 6 p.m. Uh, in the meantime, be sure to check out the Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Festival's Facebook page. Uh, there's some videos explaining the story of the Bigfoot couple. It, uh, it's kind of like that, you know, that YouTube thing where you get caught up. And the next thing you know, you look up and it's eight hours later. Uh, yeah, it's pretty interesting stuff. Uh, it won't take you eight hours to, to watch all that. Uh, this is a pretty cool event. It's a short day. It's only six hours long, but it's jam-packed with uh, with events. Uh, there's going to be a number of speakers, including uh, Cliff Barrickman of Finding Bigfoot. Uh, they'll also have food trucks. Uh, I noticed they're going to have some beer, which is pretty unheard of for a Bigfoot event, but that's also pretty cool. There's going to be a pre-event 5K run. Probably want to lay off the beer if you're going to do that. Uh, music by Sax Squatch. Sax with an with an X in there. Uh, he's going to be playing the saxophone. I don't know if it's the same dude from uh, all those viral videos. He's pretty good. Could be him. I'm not sure. Uh, he's going to be playing a couple of times that night. They're going to have a chainsaw carving auction. I might drive down there for that. Those things are pretty cool. Uh, you're going to have Bigfoot calling with Cliff. And uh, kind of an aside to the event, I think it's going to happen later on in the evening. Uh, it seems as though somebody called out Bigfoot, and uh, Bigfoot's going to be taking part in a special wrestling event. He's going to be part of a battle royal with East Tennessee Championship Wrestling. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure I'd get in the ring with Bigfoot. I, I almost want to go down and see that event. Uh, so food trucks, so it's going to be some social distancing. Most of this event, uh, I'm pretty sure the it might be the entire event. It's going to be outdoors. Uh, I'm sure they've limited the amount of people that will be in uh, the area for the event due to COVID. Uh, so I'm sure it's not going to be thousands of people. They could probably pack it with that type of thing. But uh, hopefully they've got everything spread out. But, uh, yeah, you know, if you're not comfortable, don't go. It's uh, I'm not sure I'd want to go, but uh, I'd like to see some of that stuff. And speaking of cancellations, postponements, the uh, McMenamin's UFO Festival. It's uh, on every, I forget how many years that's been going on. Uh, McMenamin's has been moved from May 13th through the 15th to September 23rd through the 25th in McMinnville, Oregon. So uh, another postponement due to COVID. Um I haven't really combed through all these events. There is the Haunted Heights Paracon 2020, generally a pretty small event, uh, small but powerful for the area, beautiful area too, Houghton Lake, Michigan. Uh, It's in Houghton Lake Heights, uh, right along the lake, a beautiful area. Uh, I spoke there, I think, two or three years ago. I forget when. Uh, That's uh, this weekend, May 7th and 8th. 
Uh, also, the Virginia City Paracon is this coming weekend, May 7th through the 9th, in uh, Virginia City, Nevada. Not Virginia. Nevada. Uh, let's see. What else we got? UFO stuff. Uh, nothing this weekend. I got to look on a couple of other events. Uh, and I mentioned the Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Festival. So not to be confused. So there's the Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Festival, May 22nd, Townsend, Tennessee. There's also the Smoky Mountain Bigfoot Conference. That's not until July the last time I checked in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. So don't get those two mis- uh, mixed up here. Um, uh, this weekend is the Southeast Texas Bigfoot Conference. Last time I checked, May 7th through the 9th. Um, but their website is not working. So well, I'm not sure about the status of that one. Uh, website is not working. So I don't know. You might want to check. Uh, you know, I've done the best I can with these events. I put stuff up. And sometimes these, um, you know, these events change their, their status. Uh, they don't really, you know, really make a huge announcement for it. And, you know, I try to do my best to make sure that you have the most up-to-date information, but I highly recommend uh, if you're going to go to any of these events, you, you check and make sure that everything is, is good before you head out there. Um, because sometimes they get canceled. I don't see any information on this being canceled or anything. But, uh, yeah, definitely check it out if you're going to go and uh, see that event. And, as always, keep your eyes on the paranewsinsider.com website. And click on the Events tab at the top. I try to, like I said, I try to keep it updated. It's, it's pretty hard sometimes because of, of COVID especially. The last year and a half has been very difficult to keep that thing straight with all the cancellations and um reschedules and uh, moving around because of, of COVID. Obviously, you you want to be safe. And, you know, these people, a lot of people are losing a lot of money over this stuff. But the show will go on, as they say. So hopefully uh, these events will, will go on. And I'm sure everybody thought this year would be fine and dandy to do these things. And uh, as you notice, there's a lot happening in the fall, or I should say in the summer, because uh, you can do stuff outdoors which is still not completely safe just because you're outside. It's all it's all about social distancing and just put the mask on. You know, I know people are tired of it, but just be safe. That's all I'm going to say. All right, let's jump into cryptid news. Strange cat sightings all over the place. And uh, we got a question in chat about, uh, are these cats in the UK feral cats? Well, uh, Australia has a huge problem with feral cats, and uh, United Kingdom does as well because there's no big natural predators left anymore, and feral cats just pretty much take over wherever they, they want. And I'm sure a lot of these sightings are, in fact, wild, just wild cats that are roaming around, and people misidentify them Um Pretty readily, I'm, I'm sure it happens here in the United States too. Where people claim, no, 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 this thing was six feet long, five feet tall, uh, 400 pound cat. Come to find out, it's just uh, fluffy running around your backyard. Uh, maybe a 10 pound cat, but uh, not that big. I'm sure it happens. Uh, but there's a, a whirlwind of activity surrounding these mystery cats. 
it's just it's it's blowing up over there right now. It's just uh, you know over the years it's been something that's been uh, pretty consistent in the United Kingdom with with uh, not just big cat sightings but big black cat sightings. Uh, but it's going crazy this year. I mean, this is the this is the most stories I've seen rolling out of the United Kingdom in a long time. Uh, maybe it's just because I'm really paying attention to it, but I'm, I'm not paying as much attention to big cat stuff as I used to. Uh, although I do keep an eye open all the time. Um, so they're also known as alien big cats over there in the United Kingdom, ABCs, which is pretty cool. Uh, Claire Evans, she was walking her dog with her husband uh, when they were surprised by a deer running quickly out of a wooded area. But what happened next was a bit more shocking. And you have to click through uh, 15 different things to get to this next piece. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, so Claire says, quote, I walk this way at least once a day and have done for six years and have a wealth of wildlife, including deer, foxes and rabbits. We see them all the time. We stopped and waited so as to not frighten it and watched until it disappeared. Then from the same spot the deer came from, we spotted a large, dark creature very low to the ground. It pounced out and ran after the deer. Unquote. Uh, so that's interesting because a, a house cat or feral cat, small feral cat, probably not going to chase a deer. It's a little bit more than they can chew. Uh, it's not going to, a little house cat's not going to take down a deer. Uh, the deer would probably just kick it and that would be the end of the fight right there. Uh, so that right there is a, is a little interesting. Unless, you know, maybe the cat did something that scared, maybe scared the deer off or something else scared the deer. Maybe the cat ran too. Who knows? Uh, but she described the animal uh, by stating, quote, it almost looked like a tortoiseshell pattern with a very long, thick, rounded, tipped, striped tail. Its head was rounded just like a cat, and it moved like a cat would be would that was chasing something. Hmm, that doesn't make sense. Uh, I would say it was the same size as a Labrador dog, but much sleeker. Unquote. So a lot to unpack with that. And of course, uh, Claire's husband grew up in Africa, and he believes what they saw was a large cat chasing after the deer. Uh, the area they had their sighting was in a large park near an industrial area about 50 miles northwest of London. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um. So, you know, some of the description here is interesting. Um, so to me, you know, it, it could be a melanistic leopard or jaguar. Uh, so melanism occurs more in leopards than jaguars, although it's still a very small percentage of the overall number of cats. It's extremely small. It's, it's considered extremely rare in the wild uh, versus all the, the other normal colored cats. And melanism occurs in cats that live in heavier jungle forests. Uh, it helps them hide better. Uh, but these cats are, are popular in zoos and in private menageries. Um, and they're probably more, I've not heard a direct percentage or uh, guesstimate even, but there's probably more in zoos in private uh, captivity than uh, in the wild due to selective breeding programs. Uh, due to the popularity of cats. So uh, I would say there's probably, 
Well, obviously, there's a larger percentage of black cats in captivity versus in the wild. Uh, I don't know about total cats. Um, Claire even contacted a local safari park to see if they'd lost a large cat. And, well, they told her that she should probably call the police since uh, they're not missing a cat, apparently. Uh, the most interesting thing of their encounter is that description of the tortoise shell markings on the black fur. So uh, the shape of the head is interesting and the, the tail, too. And if you kind of add it all up, um, to me, I, I don't know, probably a leopard, I would think, more than a jaguar. Um, if it is a big large big cat but uh, people tend to overestimate the size of, of, a, of a especially a cat running through the wild and uh, you know especially deer you think deer are ginormous until you get up close to them and, and they're really not that big uh, they look big from a distance uh, but if you you're lucky enough to get close they're really not that big or scary looking um so jaguars they're a little bit more boxy i don't know how else to describe that a little bit thicker overall compared to leopards and the markings on the black fur are actually visible um and i think they're a little bit more from what i've seen they're a little bit more uh, visible on average on leopards versus jaguars jaguars are a little bit more sleek and dark um but i guess this also depends on the light let me share a picture uh, in chat with in regards to that and you know a lot of people think that uh, black panthers are completely black that there's nothing that you can see on these cats uh, but that's just uh, it's not true you can actually see the markings but again you have to be at the right angle the right light uh, some of these cats you got to be pretty close up to actually see that but uh, you can see in this example here that's uh, definitely a leopard and I don't know if that's truly melanistic yeah it looks it could be abundism and abundism is when uh, a cat is, or a, really any creature, it doesn't have to be a cat. I've seen it on horses and even cows, uh, squirrels, you name it, fox. Abundism is when an animal is mostly black, but not all black. And again, you're still going to see the spots. So this one is probably more of abundism than true melanism, but you get the point uh, pretty much there towards the top of the creature. You can still see the patterns, the rosette patterns on the cat. And uh, you'll see, you'll see that in the wild. But if they're in a jungle canopy, or they're in the, at the right angle, they're going to look black, completely black. And you know, people see mountain lions at the wrong angle. Now, mountain lions are very, very smart. They may seem to be uh, just your normal, average, silly cat that doesn't really know what it's doing. Uh, but they're very smart, and they'll put themselves between you and a light source to make them a little harder to see, uh, especially, the obviously, the sun. Uh, so when you're looking at a cat with the light source behind it, it's going to look a lot darker. And I'm sure that uh, people would be, um, you know, people would mistake that with that light and shadow playing on that. Uh, so, yeah, the Black Panthers, essentially, you're describing... Uh, melanistic North and South American jaguars and European and Asian leopards. Those are the only two that uh, really of of the uh, 
Panthera species that uh, are melanistic. And that's why those two are lumped together for that blanket term of black panther. Black panther is not an individual type cat. It's basically just describing those two. Um, but my only issue, I mean, this it's possible it could be one of these cats. And again, it's not like it's, um, you know, these things are, are just appearing. These were let loose, you know, from private menageries, private uh, backyard zoos. And people just had these uh, on chains walking around London up until 1976. Uh, and then... Everyone just kind of like, well, can't have my cat. I got to pay a lot of money for it. Uh, so I'm just going to let it loose in the English countryside. And, uh, you know, maybe it'll make its way. Uh, and apparently a lot of people think that over the last uh, 40 years, these things are breeding in the wild. Uh, but my thought is uh, the only issue, uh, I don't think that uh, even if they are actively breeding, which you're not going to have too many 40-year-old cats that are going to live, I don't think they would live as long in the English countryside as they would in their their normal habitats, although they were here probably long before we killed everything off the United Kingdom. Um, but they're not going to produce that many melanistic cats, especially with that area, that landscape. Uh, eventually, that melanism is going to work its way out after a few generations. So I find it a little harder to believe. Um, but it's interesting to note that black cats have been brought to England since at least the late 1700s and were popular again until laws were enacted on exotic animals in the 1970s. So what's going on? What is going on? Well, according to Puma Watch... North Wales, there is, there is actually a bunch of groups that uh, look at large cat sightings. Uh, but Puma Watch North Wales reports that Craig Davies and Nicole Wynn were sitting on the banks of a river on the evening of April 16th uh, when they took a photograph of the river. And it's one of those stories, I always roll my eyes when I hear about this, when people... Uh, take a picture and they don't see anything. And then, of course, they get it developed. And later on, they saw something in the picture. So I'll show you the overall picture here in the chat room. And you can see this beautiful picturesque river, uh, trees, and a uh, pretty large bank uh, across from it. And a uh, nice little landscape. You can click on the picture and it should get a little bit bigger. And... It was uh, when he was reviewing the photographs, he saw something strange, a little different. It appeared to be in a dark animal shape there on the left-hand side along the bank underneath uh, the trees. Uh, he said he was about 100 yards away from that area where this uh, creature would have been. He swears up and down this is a, a black panther, of course. It's what it's got to be. It can't be anything else. It's not a dog, he says. Definitely not a dog. Cannot be a dog. I don't know why people are usually when somebody makes up their mind like that. Um, yeah, there's really nothing you can do at that point uh, for them. They've made up their mind. So here's a, a blow up picture circled in red. Of course, you have to use red. Red is a universal paranormal uh, outlining color, apparently. Uh, so you can see it. it's definitely a shape. 
um, what it is exactly. You can't tell. You can't tell that's a cat. Uh, you see what could be a tail there, but it might not be a tail. Who knows? It could be anything. Uh, now, they say he took other – he says he took other photographs of the area, but no other photographs show this dark object, although no one's been to that exact area and looked, taken photographs, which would really clear this up quickly, or somebody going to that site and looking for a sign, looking for prints. Uh, he says there are cows in the area, uh, but none of them could get down to the river. Uh, so I wonder if any of these cows have been injured. Um, and I tend to agree. I I think that's just a dog. It's probably a large hunting dog or a large dog nonetheless on, on this property. Uh, you say you didn't see it when you were there. You probably didn't notice it. Um, so kind of speculating after the fact, Monday morning quarterback kind of thing. Um, you really can't narrow down that it's a cat. Yeah, kind of looks like uh, kind of looks like a cat, but kind of looks like and is are two totally different things. That could be anything, really and truly. Although it does stick out, and I'm surprised that you wouldn't have seen that uh, taking pictures. But uh, it is what it is. Uh, but interestingly, to add a little credence to the story, uh, about two hours after the photograph was taken, a witness stated. Uh, quote, an extremely large cat the size of a dog jumped over a fence at the back of McDonald's car park into a wooded area, unquote. Uh, that's uh, a few miles. I think it's a, a few miles away from that area, um, actually less than a few miles from that area. But the following day, about two miles away, a man was driving on the A5 when he saw a very large black cat sitting on the railroad tracks about 100 yards away. I don't know what this 100 yards away thing is. Uh, he didn't say anything uh, immediately to his family who was also in the car because he thought they would think he was crazy. Uh, why he didn't go back, I don't know. I would have gone back. I would have looked. You know, I've seen strange things before. I remember when I was a kid. We were crossing railroad tracks. I was a kid, so don't judge me. I was a little kid. Uh, but I do remember uh, pointing out to my family, like, look, there's a deer down there. He's looking at me. And then the deer turned his head and wiggled his tail, and I realized that I was looking at his butt, and his butt was looking at us. Not his head, but... Um, so what you think you see and what you do see sometimes are not the same thing. But... The beat goes on. A third story dealing with these large cats, large black cats. Uh, those are not the only black cat sightings. There's a whole bunch more. I'm just focusing on the ones that are getting a, a lot of attention. Um, the Gloucestershire area, there's more. Uh, but there's been some research and investigation into this, which is great to see. Uh, are they all what they're seeming to be? So again, I mentioned... Um, you know, a comment in the chat room here about uh, feral cats. It's it's definitely a very high probability that a lot of these animal sightings are just feral cats that are roaming the countryside. And uh, these cats, again, no large natural predators to take them out or to even the scales uh, on these cats. And they're running amok, eating uh, probably plenty of mice. 
you know, gorging on whatever they can, uh, crops and things like that. But uh, uh, they're free to do what they want. And wildcats will grow pretty big. They're not going to grow as big as a leopard. Uh, but they'll be bigger than your average house cat after a couple of generations. And so seeing these creatures from a distance can skew your perspective, uh, you know, unless you have something to really give it that perspective. Uh, a recent story accompanied uh, a startling photograph of a blurry, large black cat. Look like, uh, to me, I could definitely tell, look like, um, this is definitely a black panther here. It was sniffing something on the ground. I mean, was this finally proof of large black cats in the UK? And again, I mentioned uh, 1976. So the Dangerous and Wild Animals Act of 1976 uh, basically said that you can't own these cats. You have to register them. You have to pay money to have them, and you have to provide them uh, certain uh, types of enclosures. You know, the law, basically taking care of the cats and making sure that nobody gets injured. And uh, to kind of put a kibosh on the amount of cats that were being uh, brought to the United Kingdom I mean, there was just tons of these cats. So people did what the, they they thought was the right thing to do, and they just let them loose into the English countryside to, to roam free uh, rather than paying the expense of obeying the law. So the, the popular thought is that these cats are breeding in the wild and have been doing so since, or maybe even before 1976. And uh, so these these remnants, these cats are just roaming free. However... There's really not been any solid physical evidence other than random sightings. Uh, some tracks every now and again, but we've not seen anything hit by a car. We've not seen anything hit by a train, uh, which happens quite frequently here in the United States uh, for mountain lion sightings. And uh, other countries, they you know things get hit by cars or at least seen uh, long enough to get good solid video. And uh, we don't have that here. But what about this this photograph? It's a startling photograph. Uh, it's a little blurry, but it's definitely a large cat. It's not a house cat. I mean, it definitely looks like one that we'd expect to see in a zoo, not uh, eating a, a little food bowl in your kitchen. But the photograph, as it turns out, was photoshopped from one. Uh, that was actually, it appeared in a story about black cats in the United Kingdom in 2020, published by ITV.com. And uh, they got that from Shutterstock, you know, just using a, a random black cat a photograph to accompany a story because that's going to get you a lot of click throughs. It's going to get you a lot of attention. Uh, so they did use that, uh, that uh, available picture paid, you know, I don't know how much you pay for a picture nowadays. Um, but that, that, uh, image, I looked it up. It's been floating around the internet since at least 2014. Uh, I think Shutterstock officially used it, uh, in 2017 or 2018. Uh, but it's, I've traced it back to at least 2014 on the internet. And so this, uh, big cat sighting that's used, you see a grassy background and a, a blurry image of a cat. Uh, that's, that's a jaguar. Uh, you see the ITV photograph, uh, which is clear. It shows a rock and a close-up of grass, so you don't see the field. And, of course, they they blurred that one to show that it's exactly the same thing 
as what's in the the other image. So yeah, somebody is hoaxing stuff, and of course the photographs turn um, viral. Of course, any picture is going to get you a couple bucks, uh, for, especially in the United Kingdom. They're hungry for this stuff right now. Uh, another image popped up on Facebook. I mean, anything that appears on Facebook, you, you got to take. You got to take seriously. I mean, it's Facebook. It's the number one. Well, I don't know if it's the number one anymore. It's a very large social media platform. Eh, I don't know if it's number one. Uh, but this one is startling. This is scary. It's uh, a black cat seen on a rooftop. It's walking around on a rooftop in the United Kingdom. I mean, why didn't a whole bunch of people report this? I mean, you, you, you think this would be front page news. This is proof positive. Why is it only on Facebook? I don't get it. Uh, well, the reason for that is uh, a story sometimes misattributed to other photographs. This this also occurs a lot in um, all over the place. We see this a lot in, in the United States. I'm, I'm a member of uh, many Facebook large cat groups, and I see this all the time where people will share a, an image and state it's from one place, and it's really – it's not. You can trace it back to other places long before that. Uh, or they're Shutterstock images, or they're they're not even from uh, the United States. They're they're from another country like Africa, where these cats are are normally seen. Um, so this one here it was actually it's actually true. This was actually a um, uh, it looks like a leopard. It's a baby. It's only a, a six month old cat. Uh, it did happen, but it happened in France, not the United Kingdom. And it happened in 2019. Now, it's a domesticated six-month-old cat that escaped from its owner. Luckily, escaped. Uh, it's kind of a sad one. The cat actually had its claws surgically removed because this person wanted to keep it as a pet. Uh, luckily, it was tranquilized. It was captured safely, taken to a zoo to be better taken care of. Uh, so that was a true story, but uh, not in the United Kingdom. And, you know, a lot of people, <sighs> yeah, they don't fact check stuff. And then people like me have to spend time. I have a whole folder here on Chrome that uh, is nothing more than all these pictures and stories of, of cats, the true ones. And then when people say, well, you know, this cat was uh, photographed in Alabama, I can go, sure it was. Yeah. Uh, and 16 other states, but actually, it's a, a African. Uh, it's a it's a cat named Cole. Poor Cole has been used for uh, a lot lot of photographs over the years, uh, but uh, that's a cat in a, a private collection in Africa. That uh, very famous pictures of that cat's been used everywhere. But uh, you know, stuff like this is uh, pretty common all over the place. Uh, but it's it's only hurtful when people believe it. But it also does add to the pandemonium, especially right now. People are seeing these large cats everywhere. Anytime they see something, it's automatically this black cat. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of people on edge about this stuff because you know they're afraid of this stuff. They don't have anything big in the United Kingdom. You know, it's like you know telling somebody here in. Uh, 
Well, New York's got a lot of heavy forests. They got bears. Um, well, you know, Florida's got mountain lions. And, you know, we got stuff all over the place here in the United States that uh, put us in check pretty quick uh, from bears to mountain lions. So, you know, w- we have that understanding. But, you know, people still get fearful. They still get upset. Um, you know, people are still nervous here about those things. But United Kingdom, you don't have to worry about that. There's really nothing big out there. So... Uh, the threat and thought of one of these cats roaming the countryside, let alone uh, breeding couples and breeding pairs all over the place, apparently, uh, it's got people on edge. But again, nothing solid has come forward. But speaking of mysterious cats in the United Kingdom, it's just been announced that the documentary Britain's Big Cat Mystery will be shown this fall. Um it's a, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool event. It's a, This documentary contains a yet-to-be-seen, at least one, I don't know if there's more, but yet-to-be-seen in public pictures, uh, purported large cats in the United Kingdom. So these photographs are being kept exclusively for this documentary, uh, although many have been examined by a zoologist who claims at least one of the images is of a puma. Puma, also known as Mount Lion um, here in the United States, or Florida, like the Florida Panther, which is interesting because you don't hear too many stories of mountain lions in the United Kingdom. So, uh, really looking forward to this when this uh, the uh, Big Cat Mystery, Britain's Big Cat Mystery. I thought it was supposed to be out soon, but uh, I guess this fall. And the international premiere of Britain's Big Cat Mystery will take place along with the UK premiere of the film The Hunt in Search of Australia's Big Cats. And that's taking place on Friday, August 27th at the International 40 and Film Festival on what is being billed as Big Cat Night. That's something I would love to go see. Uh, the event takes place at the Sherborne Cinema in Gloucester in the United Kingdom. Exciting stuff. And that's your cryptid update for the week of May 4th. And we're going to head over to UFO News where we do have a breaking UFO story. Uh, but first, got to tease you. That's what we do. Um, former Nevada Senator Harry Reid is back in the news this week. Of course he is. And you're going to hear his name a lot in the next few weeks leading up to, uh, well, we've got about a month and a half until the big big debut of uh, all this information is going to come forward. Uh, UFOs, is that whole arena is about to get crazy. You're going to see... Everybody writing stories about UFOs um, toward the end of this month, beginning of June. It's going to be crazy. I'm calling it. The show is pretty much going to be all UFO stuff, probably the entire month of June. Uh, So Harry Reid, he's claiming that not only does he believe that the U.S. defense contractor Lockheed Martin may have had uh, fragments of a crashed UFO, but that he was also blocked by the Pentagon from being able to see them or get more information about them. Uh, Reed's comments come from a recent article in the New Yorker 
And these comments uh, were just part of a, a larger article written about the U.S. government's investigations into unidentified aerial phenomena, or UAPs. Of course, we know them as UFOs, but uh, we're, not, we're not allowed to say that anymore. I think it's probably offended somebody. Uh, in the Reid article, he says, quote, uh, I was told for decades that Lockheed had some of these retrieved materials, and I tried to get, as I recall, a classified approval by the Pentagon to have me go look at the stuff. They would not approve that. I don't know what all the numbers were, but what kind of classification it was, but they would not give that to me, unquote. Uh, of course, this story is fueled by the anticipation of the release of information on UAP sightings and hopefully maybe some research behind these sightings that's supposed to appear, again, by the end of June. Uh, but that's probably when Congress is going to be uh, uh, involved in that, and they'll decide, well, you know, the public is uh, – we, uh, we can't divulge anything because, uh, you know, classified stuff, and we don't want people freaking out. And uh, some of this could be other, other government stuff. So, yeah, we, we got to hide this. We got to bury this deep, deep, deep. Uh, but, uh, yeah, again, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Come the end of June. Was it June 25th, I believe, is the, the, the big day. Uh, but a new story just broke uh, today. Uh, literally... That's been almost two hours now, just shy of two hours uh, today. Uh, CNN published a news piece that states the Department of Defense is now looking into how the Pentagon is handling UFO reports, which, again, uh, are referred to as unidentified aerial phenomena. I don't think we'll ever get rid of the word term UFO. Unfortunately, a UFO is uh, forever synonymous with aliens, extraterrestrials, and um, UFO, of course, if you're, not, if you're not aware, I don't know, maybe some people don't know, but UFO, that term is actually started by the government. They actually created that. The Air Force actually created that term. Granted, uh, when it was first used in the 1940s, it was UFOB for unidentified flying objects. Yeah, they dropped the B, and it's just UFO. Uh, but back then, it was just, it was literally things in the sky that were unidentifiable. And of course, uh, over time, uh, there's two definitions. One, you know, and a lot, of, a lot of us in the field will stick behind that and say, well, it's a UFO doesn't mean it's an alien. It just means it's unidentified flying object. Uh, but unfortunately, the second part, the second definition to that is related to uh, aliens, extraterrestrials, crafts from other worlds in our airspace. So unfortunately, you'll never separate the alien from the UFO, unless you shoot it down, of course. Uh, so on Monday, May 3rd, a letter was sent to uh, Pentagon leadership, and it was signed by Randolph R. Stone, uh, Assistant Inspector General for Evaluations. Uh, in part, Stone wrote, quote, the objective of this evaluation is to determine the extent to which the DOD has taken actions regarding unidentified aerial phenomena, or UAP, unquote. 
Uh, so we all know last year the Pentagon created a task force to understand the nature and origins of UAPs. Uh, but so far, they've really not released uh, anything. You know, nothing valuable uh, as far as information on the topic. It's just uh, been all leaks, essentially. And, you know, you wonder, you wonder, you know, are these controlled leaks? And it's, it's my hypothesis, it's my personal opinion that all these leaks are done on purpose. And I'll tell you why. Uh, so this year, uh, we had the release of another video. This one, the... Uh, the uh, night vision triangle UFO from uh, 2019. Man, it's uh, freaked out a lot of people, got a lot of people talking, got the government talking. And uh, agencies are, again, pushing for more information on the topic. And it's, it's interesting, and I'll say it again, that uh, people within the government are being heard louder, talking louder about UFOs, or I should say UAPs, than the private sector anymore. You know, it's a shame that, uh, you know, people like Stanton Friedman aren't ar around for this because this is pretty, pretty exciting times that we're in where the the government is, is speaking louder than all those UFO groups. And I, I don't hear MUFON saying anything. Where are you guys at? Hello, MUFON. Anybody home? I don't think so. Um, but, yeah, these agencies are, are stepping it up. And uh, so, yeah, we'll see what happens in June. But yes, next month, the Office of the Director of National Intelligence and other agencies are set to, to deliver unclassified reports of UAPs to Congress. And of course, um, how much of that's going to trickle down to the general public? Yeah, your guess is as good as mine. Probably not much. Uh, but it's obvious to me that the government really doesn't know or really doesn't understand anything of what they're dealing with. Um, you know, they may know some of these things are definitely um, counter uh, intelligence from other countries. Maybe it's even some of the stuff that uh, that we're using that people are seeing. So they have to, you know, create something to cover up their own uh, technology. And this is pretty much where all the UFO stuff from, I mean, really, you can go back to the 40s. A lot of these UFO sightings were just uh, tech that the UFO was, or the UFO, the USA was testing. And of course, you know, they they pushed that, the whole UFO thing uh, with aliens to really kind of cover up uh, their own tech. So it's a smart, clever way, you know, create fear to distract people from the truth. And that's pretty much what's going on here. Uh, everyone's thinking that this is all about extraterrestrials and this is all about aliens. And these are about spaceships invading the United States. Well, that's probably not true. What's happening here is pretty much the same thing that's been going on for decades. Uh, we're being inundated with a craft, either our own, used against us by private organizations, private institutions, um, people who are spies, potentially selling uh, classified data, classified information through uh, video or other sensing technology to other governments. You know, other governments may be uh, infiltrated the United States, uh, you know, off the coast. A lot of these things are, are happening off the coast where, you know, believe it or not, 
Uh, there's submarines right now, probably right off the coast of California, right off the coast of Florida, North Carolina. They're, they're there. But you don't hear about it. Uh, you know, Russia, we constantly are dealing with um, uh, Russian aircraft invading our, our uh, airspace. And every now and again, that actually hits the news where a lot of times you just don't hear about it as much. Um, then you hear about it later on. So all this stuff is happening all around us, but the government tries to keep it as quiet as it, as it can. Of course, you know, when it pushes and allows other things to uh, inundate our news cycle that, that people are focused on, like the Kardashians or what, what LeBron James's political stance is today, uh, you know, or all the, the other internal conflict that we have. You know, let's uh, stir up racism a little bit more to, to get people to stare at that for a little while while the real stuff that's going on. That could really affect our freedoms and our liberties uh, that's sitting right off the coast uh, is ignored. But, uh, yeah, that's a great, awesome question in chat. Why are other countries not coming forward? Why is it just us? Well, other countries have been releasing their data set of information. The United Kingdom came forward a few years ago. Um, some... Asian countries also came forward. I know South American countries have released some information, but it's underwhelming. There's really nothing. It's, it's a less, less exciting than what we've seen so far from the four videos that have been leaked from the United States. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm underwhelmed with this. I, I think that this is really just a cover-up of scarier stuff that's around us. You know, I'd, be, I'd actually be comfortable I know this sounds stupid, but I'd be comfortable to know that there's alien technology surveying us and wanting to know about us rather than, um, you know, China or Russia using technology that we can't intercept, we can't track, we can't capture, we can't shoot down that's uh, spying on us. Because if that's at that point, you know, how long are we... Are we going to uh, have, be at a disadvantage? And what does that lead to down the road as far as wars or, you know, takeovers? You know, we're, we live in this country and we just, uh, you know, have this, this perspective that, you know, we get up in the morning, we go to work, we drive our car, we go on vacation, we fly anywhere we want. Uh, you know, we, we, do what we want to do. We don't realize that uh, we've got it made. And that's not always going to be that way. So that scares me even more. I can deal with aliens. I've seen Independence Day enough. Just put a virus in them. We'll be good. Um, so yeah, back to that triangle video. You know, they were, they, I'm pretty sure that was on purpose. Just got released, got leaked. And I think, you know, I, I can't understand how they couldn't understand. I mean, I'm not a genius when it comes to disseminating videos. I've done it a lot. You know, I, I guess I'm pretty good at it. I've, I've spent a lot of time understanding videos, photographs, uh, and some of the anomalous things that supposedly happen that have natural explanations. And I had a pretty good idea of what I was seeing. Uh, however, others jumped up and put the explanation on it pretty quick. And, uh, you know, I've talked about it here. The leading explanation of that triangle video is a simple, very simple photography effect that uh, most phot photographers, videographers, uh, they know. Bokeh or bokeh, 
but I guess it's bokeh. This argument about how to pronounce this, but it's basically spelled B-O-K-E-H, bokeh. Uh, it's making objects blurry and moving causes these objects to change shape. And what we're seeing is just basically an effect of, I think it's because you're using two cameras. You're, you're filming through a night vision uh, instrument. And we've seen this before. And if you've watched UFO videos over the years, you see these high flying triangle shaped flying things. And I've heard it for years. I've been screaming about it for years. This is just a, a camera effect. And everybody claims that, um, no, these are these are alien triangles. But it's it's very easily I've seen it redone a number of times on um, a little bit more skeptical videos on UFOs. So how does the government not employ somebody who can figure these things out? Just don't understand. So are they just using the public sector to disseminate these videos? I don't know. Um, but then again, they don't seem concerned about trying to figure out what is in these videos as much as they are just uh, stirring up public interest and um, maybe creating a sense of fear out of something that uh, is, is a little bit different than what we're all thinking is going on. Yeah. And last but not least, we'll uh, decompress from the UFOs I know there's a lot of uh, strong opinions about all that stuff. I get it. Uh, so we're going to leap to something else with some strong opinions in the ghost field. And uh, I was, I don't know. I, I, I don't really, I'm not a big fan of the ghost TV shows. Never have been. Uh, you know, you, you have two camps of thought on that, that uh, the, the ghost field uh, is completely ruined by all the influx of TV shows starting back in 2004 with ghost hunters. And you have those on the other side that say uh, these TV shows saved the ghost field and has educated more people and has brought so many people into the field. Uh, I'm kind of in between. I'm in, I'm in the middle. I think some of them are good, but most of them are trash. And doesn't matter how many people you bring in the field, if the quality is pretty low or people don't really know what they're doing, are you really helping it? Uh, but love them or hate them, and some people even love to hate them, uh, Rare.us recently published an article by Karen Corday on, yes, the man himself, the Ghost Adventure Zone, Zach Bagans. Uh, so it pretty much published more than what you really want to know about Zach. Uh, the article is titled, Zach Bagans, How Much Does a Ghost Hunter Make? And when I first saw that headline, I thought, I, I don't think it's fair to put Zach Bagans and other television celebrities into the mix with the everyday ghost hunter. You know, I've, I've been out in the field. Uh, I, was, I led a group for 15 years. Uh, I've, I've met hundreds of other groups all over the country, from Oklahoma to Texas to Florida, uh, New York, Pennsylvania. I mean, Michigan, I, hunt dozens of states. I can't be hundreds, but dozens of states all over the place. And I tell you, not that many. As a matter of fact, I don't. I don't think any of them are actually making any money. Yeah, so I don't think putting a, a TV celeb 
in in that uh, same pot here makes any sense. I mean, you know, the ones on the lower end of the scale, which is most of them, uh, spend hundreds of dollars a year, maybe even thousands to go to these locations, buy all the tech, uh, get all the gear, and, and not to mention traveling to these places, staying in hotels, gas, other expenses, you know, all those box sets of uh, ghost adventures and ghost hunters, that, that stuff adds up. You know, even those who try to supplement some of that through income of YouTube channels and books, classes and all that, uh, and all these other things people are trying to do to generate money from this field, which I kind of don't agree with, but it is what it is. Uh, they're far from breaking even. So how much does Zach Bagans make? Well, like me, you're going to have to wait till the end of the story to find out. Zachary Alexander Bagans. That's his name, Zachary Alexander Bagans. Uh, he was born on April 5th, 1977 in Washington, D.C., and eventually moved to Glen Ellen, Illinois. He has an older sister, Meredith, and two younger brothers, Sky and Phil. After graduating high school, he studied at the Motion Picture Institute in Michigan uh, before moving off to Las Vegas. He did graduate, pretty sure. Uh, it was here that he uh, met Aaron Goodwin, and cooked up an award-winning documentary on paranormal investigation around Nevada. Of course, that was in its heyday, just after you know, ghost hunters had been out for two or three years at the time. And ghost hunting was pretty much at an all-time high at that point. So why not? Everyone else is doing it. And again, this is what I'm saying about you know, quality over quantity. Sometimes you get too many people and accidents happen. Uh, this, of course, led to Ghost Adventures, which began in 2008 on the Travel Channel and recently moved to Discovery Plus in 2021. Uh, other than television shows, he's also been involved with movie making. 2018's Demon House, if that counts, I'm not sure. Uh, he's also been involved in music. He's got an album called Necrofusion in 2012. I'm not sure. Maybe I'll... Illegally download that? I don't know. Uh, his own clothing line, Dungeon Wear. It's probably all tight t-shirts and baggy pants. Probably all dark colors. I'm not sure. Haven't checked it out. Uh, as well as a pair of books that uh, he co-authored. Uh, but this article doesn't mention the controversial book, Ghost Hunting for Dummies, that is full of plagiarism. I think that's still available. Not sure. Uh, Bagans has also been tied to a number of women over the years, including former Playboy model Holly Madison. Heard they broke it off. Oh, that's sad. Uh, he's also the owner of a popular paranormal museum, of course, in Las Vegas, and also owns vehicles worth at least $2 million. I want to know what he drives. That'd be kind of cool. Uh, it's probably all black cars. Uh, 2019, he bought the infamous Charles Manson murder house in Los Angeles, where Manson's followers murdered uh, Leno and Rosemary LaBianca in 1969. Uh, he purportedly purchased the property for $1,888,888. And I'm sure 88 cents. I'm not sure about the cents part. Uh, but as of January 2021... He put the house on the market for one million nine 
$999,000 per realtor.com. So he's trying to turn it for hundred grand, a little bit more, 100,000. And that's, that's how you make money. That's how you make money. Speaking of making money, so how much does, uh, well, I should say, how much is he worth? So how much is Zach Bagans worth? And this is much higher than I thought. I, uh, I guessed a lot lower. His net worth, according to Celebrity Worth, I'm sorry, CelebrityNetWorth.com, he's estimated to be worth $30 million. According to CelebrityNetWorth.com, uh, where most of the information from the story came from. And in case you're wondering, story doesn't include this, but I'm including this because I was curious myself. Aaron Goodwin, who you know co-founded Ghost Adventures, is pretty much in every single show. Uh, he didn't get the clothing line. He didn't get all these other uh, fringy things. Uh, Aaron Goodwin's net worth: 1.5 million, and Nick Groff is worth 1 million himself. So. Kudos to Zach. Keep buying stuff. Uh, just make sure you can pay for it all in the end. Because uh, there's a lot of celebrities going bankrupt right now. So be careful. Be careful. But as long as the paranormal is cool, uh, as long as he's a rock star, uh, he'll still be making money. I'm sure we'll hear about him 20 years from now. Uh, even though he won't have a TV show by then, probably. Uh, still dating people and making money. But anyway, enough of Zach. Uh, enjoy your Cinco de Mayo. What a week. What a week. Yes, Cinco de Mayo. That's uh, the 5th of May to those of us here in the United States. Um, yeah, get a uh, margarita or three. Uh, I will see you next week, but for now, keep your eyes in the skies, your ears in the woods, and the hair standing on the back of your neck. And always keep your mind slightly ajar. And above all else, don't stop believing. For the Paranormal News Insider... This is Dr. Brian D. Parsons reporting.